Hey guys, welcome back to the F1 Girls. I'm Amy. And I'm Rihanna. And today we're going to be talking about the Monaco race weekend. So Re, how do you think the, re- the weekend went? Um, well, Monaco is always a tricky one because obviously the circuit is renowned for no, no one being able to overtake. So I, I think it was quite interesting for Monaco, but probably not like the most exciting race that we could have had. Yeah, definitely. Monaco is one of those that is one of the mo- one of the more boring weekends because there's no overtaking. It's just, yeah. <laughs> Hyping up this episode. <laughs> yeah. It's just a bit dull, but we do have some good stuff to talk about. So let's start with qualifying. Yeah, I think qualifying is is the bit that we can look forward to most because that's obviously the bit where it counts the most because wherever they qualify is probably pretty much where they're going to place. Um, so yeah, Q1. Um, we had some good, definitely had some good performances, um, which was strong out of free practice. So Ferrari, they were looking good in free practice and they looked just as good at the beginning of qualifying. Um, and so did Bottas as well, getting his P1 after he wasn't looking as strong in FP3. So yeah, everyone starting strong, I think. Yeah, definitely. Ferrari did look very, very good in qualifying. Um, they've definitely upped their game in the last couple of weeks, I think. And yeah, they're, they're getting there. They're, we have high hopes. We have high hopes. We've, we've got high hopes for Ferrari, but I feel like Monaco is a bit of a one-off for them because obviously I think this circuit favours their car a lot of it being quite high downforce. So therefore although they might do well this race, the chance of them doing well consistently over the years, probably not looking great. They'll be strong, but not like at the top. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see um, how they perform in Azerbaijan next next time to uh, really make a proper sort of evaluation of it almost. So Bottas ended up in P1 for qualify. well, for Q1. P1 for Q1. There we go. (laughs) That's probably the best he did all (laughs) all race weekend. He got his P1 and Q1 and that was kind of it, really. Just kind of went down. He really didn't have a good weekend, did he? No, but then, to be honest, when does he really ever have a good weekend? Like, there's only very rare occasions now where he has an amazing weekend. To be fair to him, this weekend probably wasn't his fault. It's more the car and the team, but we'll get into that. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. But I suppose, yeah, the two people that I'm I'm kind of shocked at both of these is Yuki and Alonso being out in Q1. And I don't know if you agree with me here. I I really thought Yuki, although I know he's like new to F1, he's fresh out of F2, but I, I kind of felt he would be able to match Gasly's pace a little bit better than he is. Yeah, I feel like I feel like they're having a bit of an album Gasly's um, scenario, um, like they did at Red Bull, where Yuki's just not matching the pace. And I don't know, it's he should have had a good weekend and he really didn't. So that's all we can say on that one. But Alonso, I expected a lot more from. Um, obviously with him being the more experienced driver and yeah I just wasn't expecting him to be out so soon in qualifying 
Yeah, it was a shock, especially since the last two races, we, Ocan has been placing really high and it, it shows how much the Alpine can do. So for it, for another Alpine and Alonso to be out on Q1, it was a bit, a bit of a little bit, yeah, a little bit of a shock. It was a big shock. He, he definitely could have done better there, 100%. Yeah. So speaking of Alpine, Ocon was obviously knocked out in Q2, but the other shock for Q2 knockouts, Ricardo. <laughs> what are you doing, Daniel? It's like just emotionally hurts. I'm like, I was thinking because he he was doing a little bit, he was doing a little bit better, and now he's just not. And now I'm just stressed that he's. I'm just hoping that he he clicks with the car soon. Otherwise, he's in a little bit of trouble. I think. I feel like we jinxed it last week and saying that what well, last episode saying that he was sort of getting really getting finding his feet almost with the car um but now that seems to have flipped on its head and it's almost like he his strategies that he normally has as a driver just aren't working in the car that he's in yeah no 100 agree and i suppose there's only so far you can use the excuse of he needs to he needs to get used to the car because we're we're heading quite heavily now through the season so he needs to iron that out fairly quickly and especially like this is a circuit that he's renowned for doing well at whether it's his fault or not you know he he's good at this is a track that he's good at so I really don't think there was many excuses here which is heartbreaking for me to say <laughs> I know <laughs> so obviously those two were kind of shocks for Q2 but a shock also well, a good shock, I think, is Giovinazzi getting into Q1 at P10. Q1, do you mean Q3? Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> I was like, oh no, because I always, I always get them confused as well. Yeah, th that's brilliant. Yeah, foul for Romeo. And he, he outqualified Brycken. He Brycken didn't get into Q3, did he? So no. I think, yeah, I think that was good because I feel like Giovinazzi is, it, it's things like drive to five and like just on the overall screen time, he doesn't get much attention. And, but I've been kind of looking him a little bit more and I feel like he is now kind of almost consistently outperforming Raikkonen. And I know Raikkonen's like quite old now, but he is a very experienced, <laughs> he's a very um, experienced driver. So I'm, I'm thinking that his performance is actually beginning to improve, which is definitely exciting if you think of driver seats. Um, yeah very very impressed with that 100 and obviously he did it when it counted because if you want to qualify well it's going to be monaco so he he, he did amazingly 100 yeah definitely and uh vettel also got into q3 as well which makes me so happy because obviously he's not been doing as well in the aston martin as we all thought he would be doing so yeah 100 yeah i think I was worried when I saw that, I was like, oh, is this going to be the like a one-off good thing and it's not going to go well? But he, he had an absolute blinder a weekend. So yeah, we'll get we'll get back into that later. But yeah, very, very happy and impressed for Vettel as well. So speaking of Q3, that's when the drama happened. <laughs> like all the drama. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it started off a little bit mundane. There was... I know some people were struggling with traffic, trying to get good times, but obviously that's Monaco, that's going to happen. And again, Ferrari were looking very, very strong in Q3. Obviously, um, Charles had his provisional pole and Sainz was not far behind. 
and then the red flag <laughs> when it all went wrong <laughs> so when I was watching qualifying I was actually at work and I was behind the bar and um <laughs> I just saw uh Leclerc like go into the wall and I was like what has just happened like people saying that was tactical that he went into the wall on purpose to keep his qualifying us but it's like why would you cause that much damage to your car just to keep a pole position yeah exactly I think if he if he was doing that intentionally he wouldn't cause as much damage as he did because he really did go into the wall relatively hard and yeah they were throwing around the Schumacher 2006 thing which was a very obvious um tactic to try and stay in pole which did it did not fly with anyone so I think anyone to say that it was tactical is wrong <laughs> I'm just gonna say I think it's wrong um but yeah that's that's a shame because obviously there was he didn't know whether he was going to get that pole because obviously he didn't know how extensively his car was damaged so I don't think that would have been a nice experience for him or anyone in the Ferrari garage as well so yeah definitely not done on purpose no definitely not but something that really kind of surprised me though in Q3 was Hamilton down in P7 I can't remember the last time I saw Hamilton that far down on the grid refreshing it's really refreshing <laughs> oh I don't get me wrong I was pleasantly shocked and pleasantly surprised but it's just one of those things where you just expect him to be up at the top. So it was like, how has he managed to get down there? Yeah, I suppose. I suppose when we when we watch Hamilton and stuff, he's always so consistently good. It's, I suppose people are on held off days, and I think I don't because he hadn't really that whole weekend from Q one through to Q three, he hadn't really been putting in competitive time. So I don't know whether he was just like mentally checked out or he was just saving himself for Q3 and then obviously the red flag happened but I kind of think it just was an off day for him I don't think it was the result of Charles crashing was the reason he didn't get an amazing time I think he would have been sitting around that area anyway so I think I just think he had a bad day which it's nice because then you then you never know who's who's gonna who's gonna fit who's gonna get a podium so it's it was a nice refreshing thing for the beginning of the race yeah, definitely. And um, it also meant that we could enjoy our favourite duo up near the top of the uh, <laughs> top of the grid. We've got Carlos and Lando, more babies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's really nice seeing that Lando's continuing his streak of doing exceptionally well. And obviously, the world, well, yeah, Ferrari's looking strong all weekend and for Science to place basically at the top of the midfield. It's, we love to see that. We love to see new podium contenders. So yeah, bring it on. Certainly. <laughs> so let's talk about the race. So obviously, Carl, uh, not Carlos, Charles <laughs> did. I'm talking about Carl. Thinking about Carlos. Um, <laughs> Charles didn't even get to start the race, which is very, very disappointing. But I like the fact that um, race control didn't move everyone up a space. They just left it as nobody's in pole position. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's so heartbreaking because he was literally on his way, like it was a lap before the formation lap or something, wasn't it? Ah, that must have like hurt a lot, especially since Charles not had the greatest luck at Monaco. And obviously as a Monocast driver, you want to be on pole and in somewhere like Monaco, 
I think he definitely had a good chance of winning the race if the strategy pit wise was right. So I think that must have really, really crushed him inside. Yeah, not only was he obviously at his home race and everything, but it was his first pole position. So it's a double heartbreak. <laughs> but did you did you see the um, video of him realizing that his gearbox had gone? I think I heard the audio of him like, oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, just saying no, like, repeatedly. I was like, no, this is heartbreaking. Yeah, well, hopefully next year he'll get he'll get an opportunity. So somebody who had a bit of a better start than usual, I reckon, Bottas. <laughs> Even yeah. though he didn't get into first position and he didn't get to sort of get around Verstappen, he still had a pretty good, pretty good start. Yeah, I mean, I think historically compared to Max and Lewis, I feel like Bottas doesn't consistently get great starts. But yeah, he obviously Lewis out the the equation for this start. But yeah, he he definitely had a better start than Verstappen did. But I thought what was clever the way um, Verstappen positioned himself. He had his wheels slightly turned, so he just knew he was ready to cut Bottas off. And obviously, because that that first straight is isn't very long, he. Ha- I think if it was any other circuit, Bottas would have had him. But yeah, just because it's Monaco, he was able to just you know cut him off, get in front, and you know it played out that way. So I get unfortunate for Bottas, but yeah, well played with the start. Yeah, Verstappen really knew what he was doing at the start there, and. Like you say, the way he positioned his car and the way he positioned the wheels just to make sure that he was able to get that head start on on uh, Bottas was, it, it was very well played. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, and yeah, also in the the beginning of the race, um, Schumacher p- um, pulled a nice little thing on um, Mazepin, on the hairpin, just... Yeah. <laughs> nice smooth move from him. I know it's not the most exciting thing, um, yeah, it's yeah. It's yeah, nice to see some kind of overtaking at Monaco. I don't normally like to see sort of teammates getting one up on each other, but when it comes to Schumacher and Masbin, I always love to see Schumacher get that one up on him. Yeah, so I, I suppose the race was pretty fairly uneventful up until the point where the pit the pitting started to happen, and that's unfortunately when Bottas went into pit. And I know we've had a lot of talks about Mercedes and pitting, but this just basically reiterates exactly what we said before, isn't it? Yeah, so like you said, we've had quite a few conversations about uh, Mercedes needing to up their game on pits in terms of Bottas. Um, But this one was, it was so frustrating to watch because obviously he was up in second he was doing really well like he was having a good race and then all like through no fault of his own he had to retire and it's just it was just very frustrating I keep using that word but it is very frustrating yeah and it's a shame obviously because he had that incident with George um and that wasn't his fault either so the fact that he's had quite a few not finishes for literally no fault of his own obviously heavy damages any chance of him contending with Max Lewis for the championship and yeah just 
when a Mercedes is going to get it right, I know that I know the way the pit happened and the gun getting jammed, it's not really anybody's fault, but like it just seems to be a series of bad pit stops for Mercedes. And I just think they just they just need to make sure every single one is as tight as um, Red Bulls and Williams is. Mm. I was talking to my mum about it and she said that she wouldn't like to be the mechanic who put that wheel on originally because you can imagine how much shit that that mechanic's going to be getting. <laughs> I wonder if there's just like one rogue mechanic that just is messing it up every single time. <laughs> can you imagine the drama that would cause? They could have a whole like TV series on it. Oh, that would be so funny if that was the case. But also an easy problem solver. But yeah, I, I feel like the, the root cause is a bit bigger than that. <laughs> mm, I, I've got a slight feeling that it might be. Uh, so speaking of Mercedes and bad pits, the uh, Hamilton pit strategy was just not there at all this race. Yeah, and I think what was obvious that the right the right strategy to go for was keep them out as long as possible, and that's exactly what happened with um, Perez and Vettel. Um, but Hamilton came in a bit earlier, um, and obviously didn't come out in front of Gasly. In fact, I think yeah, Perez overtook them both in that whole pit strategy scenario over a number of laps, whatever. Um, which obviously did, Hamilton was not happy and. What was so weird was on the one of the radios, he was like, oh, my tyres were fine. I could have been out longer. And that literally goes against everything he says every single race about his tyres. He's always complaining about how he needs to come in. And the one yeah. time to bring him in, he didn't want to come in. <laughs> yeah, I feel like um, they need to learn to sort of listen to him a bit more when it comes to tyres, because... I reckon he probably could have gone quite a few more laps without having to change. But obviously, because he was so far down, the team thought, well, we might as well just bring him in. And it, it was just, it was the wrong strategy to have. And it I reckon it was part of the reason why it cost Hamilton a better race. Yeah, um, I think what's, he, it's just like, although you're right, it just annoys me like, the way he complains and it's it's, it's just annoying because obviously Bottas had an absolute horrendous race like you should be lucky that wasn't you there's 50 50 chance that would have been you and it wasn't you are unbelievably lucky with the way things turn out just like with that Silverstone thing where his tire didn't explode and Bottas did there's so many instances where he's been had the upper hand through luck and because he's been given a better strategy and the one time he doesn't he's moaning and moaning and I'm like oh, give us a break please <laughs> So speaking of pit strategies, Perez and Vettel had um, some pretty good luck when it came to those. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, like I said, the, clearly the winning strategy was to stay out longer. And I think both of them, I think, overtook two places. And obviously that's a huge gain in Monaco because you, the only way you can really overtake people is through pit strategies, basically. Mm -hmm. And both of them got it just bang on and yeah after that they were just able to sail on through to the end in pretty good places so I think especially for both of them because both of them need Perez needs to prove to Red Bull that he's worthy of that second seat and Vettel has been trying to prove to everyone that he hasn't lost his you know talent or mojo or whatever so having having that play out the way it did I think is great for both of them like career-wise yeah definitely I think they had 
some pretty good luck, especially um, obviously Perez ended up going up to fourth and Vettel up to fifth due to the pit strategy. So they were very lucky in that sense. I suppose that, that brings us on to towards the end of the race now. And I think one, one of the things that made me feel for Norris was, I think it was around lap 58, um, and his tyres were, I think, a lot older than some of the people around him, and they were really, really graining. And it's really hard, especially in, in Monaco. I suppose it's good because you know it's hard for someone to overtake you, and obviously it would have been harder on another track. But just knowing someone was so close behind you, and that obviously it was Paris and a good driver, having to stick out that last bit of the race, knowing that he's very close to the podium, must have been like horrendously like nervous for him. Yeah, definitely. I think. Um, obviously, he said on the radio that he was really struggling with the tyres and um, it must have, like you say, it must have been nerve-wracking for him having Perez behind him um, and being so close to the podium. But he, he pulled it out of the bag and he did get that podium, which um, was, it was, I reckon it was a lot down to how he was driving and how his tyre management was. Yeah, 100%. And I think although it's harder to overtake Monaco, it's a lot easier to like crash because obviously the barriers are basically the outer track limits. And there's always that quote being like, oh, it's like riding around um, your living room on a bicycle. It's so hard going that fast around all these tight corners. So if you're being hunted down by someone who's in very close range, it's then a lot more pressure and especially on old tyres, you really, really got to be on it to make sure you don't accidentally clip uh, a barrier or something and end up like the clip did. So yeah, <laughs> that takes a lot of talent and shows, yeah, that how we deserve that podium, 100%. Yeah, definitely. And lastly, let's talk about the lap record for Hamilton on lap 20, uh, not lap 21, lap 71. <laughs> yeah, he, he needed that, didn't he? Just, he didn't, get nearly as many points as he's used to getting so I suppose getting that one extra and I guess a lap record is something to take away from the weekend for him because you know what else did you get out of it <laughs> yeah definitely that brings us nicely on though to um speaking about driver of the day so do you reckon Vettel should have got driver of the day uh yeah no I, I think I agree with that he he played it cool he put in amazing performance I guess some of it was down to strategy but at the end of the day he did put in an amazing qualifying um which met, which led into that position and I think it, everyone was just happy to see him a lot higher up than he usually is and obviously Monaco is a track that he's obviously done well in before so I think it's just nice to see him kind of getting out of the slump and that I think a lot of that was probably why he was voted driver of the day rather than anybody else. Yeah, definitely. I think he did deserve that one. He did pretty well throughout the whole weekend. He's had he's had a pretty good weekend, I reckon, for um what he's what he has been having. So yeah, I think it was a well deserved driver of the day. Hundred percent. Do you did you hear the radio that um he did at the end being like, Oh, well done, but but his um radio guy just he just didn't seem very enthusiastic. He was like, Well done, P five, good job. And I was like I don't see anyone else doing any, I don't see Stroll doing that. P5 is a pretty good place for uh, Aston Martin at this point and for Vettel. So I think you can be a bit more enthusiastic about it. <laughs> yeah, considering the um, the way that their uh, season has been going, I think P5 is a pretty uh, 
pretty good standing and they, they should have been a bit more enthusiastic about it but 100 and i think i think the main thing i'm taking away from monaco is how nicely it's rejiggled the um like driver's points obviously Verstappen's now first by one or two points and i think lando's now ahead of bottas it's just kind of rejigs it all a little bit and made it a lot closer which makes it a lot more interesting for the oncoming races yeah definitely and obviously with the constructors um red bull are actually at the top of the constructors championship at the minute um which hasn't happened for quite a while so yeah it's it's definitely i think is gonna bring out a lot more competitiveness um within the teams and i think we're in for an exciting rest of the season 100 percent. yeah i'm looking forward to it so that brings us to the end of today's episode thank you guys all for listening and we will be back with the next race weekend <laughs> You'll see.